0: God's word we're going to pick this up from Mark chapter 10 uh, two sections beginning at verse 13 and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them and the disciples rebuked them but when Jesus saw it he was indignant and said to them let the children come to me do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God truly I say to you whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And down to verse 23. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we've, we've left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or land for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now and this in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This is God's word. Well, um... Over the last few weeks together as a church, as we've been uh, taking our time going going through uh, Mark's gospel, we've been seeing lots and learning lots together about the kingdom of God. And and, and we've seen that the kingdom of God is, is the place of God's reign, the place of God's favor, where, where, where God is, is, is Lord of all uh, and everything in that kingdom um, <laughs> Uh, confesses that and agrees to that and lives in that. And it's a wonderful place. It's a place of, of, of restoration in the kingdom of God. It's a place of healing, uh, as we were just thinking there, in, in the kingdom of God. Uh, it's a place of pure goodness. There's no evil. And we've seen that, haven't we? You know, Jesus, when he comes along to, to show and tell the kingdom of God, he's been, he's been teaching, he's been uh, healing, he's been uh you know, uh, calming the storm. He's been um, sending out evil spirits from people. This is a taste of what the kingdom of God looks like in real terms. And we've been getting that week after week after week. And, and when, we, when we look at our world and, uh, you know, when, when we watch TV and, and just put on the news or whatever way that you get information, um, I don't know about you, but I just feel more and more now as time is progressing, I want the kingdom now. I need it now, you know? What's going on out there is horrible. And yet what we have in, in the gospel and, and, and the kingdom of God is just what our hearts desire. It's that, that, that place of beauty and, and peace um, and, and love. And, and what an antidote that is to the, the mess that we've made our world. And we can have that through Jesus, through his death and resurrection um and so so as he's been laying out this great vision of the kingdom um he over the last few weeks has been sort of ratcheting up on his way to the cross he's been ratcheting up what it means to therefore follow me uh you know he's given us the vision but but, but how do we actually link into that and, and uh you know what does our life look like um as part of that and so uh we've seen that and um, we've seen you know the greatest in the world's eyes, we'll be the last of all and the servant of all in the kingdom of God. We've seen, you know, this sort of loving unity which takes place in the kingdom of God. We've seen how radical, radically we deal with our sin in the kingdom of God. Um, and, and so we've, we've dealt with all this over the last few weeks. But today particularly, um, we're going to deal with this question, okay, 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 okay. How do we actually get in, right? How do we actually access the kingdom of God? What do we need to do? To, to, to obtain all this for ourselves. And so what we're going to see today uh, is, number one, two approaches to the kingdom of God, okay? Two two ways that people try and enter the kingdom of God. And then we're going to see, uh, after that, one point of access to the kingdom of God. And thirdly and finally, then we're going to see how to get there. Rather confusing, I've just realized, point one is two approaches, point two is one access point, and uh, thirdly and finally then, how to get there. Hopefully it'll make sense as we go through. So two approaches then that people can adopt to the kingdom of God. The first approach, we'll see this in verses 13 through 16, is come with nothing. First approach to the kingdom of God, come with nothing. Uh, We've got these crowds, right, bringing uh, their children to Jesus uh, that that he might bless them, put his favor on them. And uh, in verse 13, we see the disciples blocking access to Jesus not just blocking access, like standing in his way like security guards, but, but, but rebuking, actively rebuking, telling a like sharp telling off. Get away from Jesus, right? He's, he's busy with the real healings, the real teaching. Take your kids away. It's getting in the way, right? Um, and, and this word rebuke is really just used by, um, particularly by Jesus when he's rebuking an evil spirit. You know, or, or when he's telling the storm to settle, he's rebuking the wind and the waves, you know, it's a strong telling off with anything that gets in the way of God's will. And here the disciples are using this word, looking at these, these small children that are being brought and saying, you're getting in the way of doing God's will, away with you. And in verse 14, we can see Jesus' reaction. He was indignant, putting it mildly. Irate. You know, we might say he was raging with them. What are you doing? Let the children come, says Jesus. Don't get in their way. I want to bless them. I want to accept them. Don't stop them. Then he says uh, to to, to them in verse 14, to such belongs the kingdom. To such as them belongs the kingdom. And then he goes on to reaffirm this in verse 15. Whoever does not uh, receive the kingdom of God like a child shall never enter it. Okay? So the first approach to the kingdom of God, according to Jesus, is come like a child. And that that does not mean, therefore, come to God uh, because you're naive, uh, because you are ignorant, because you don't understand how the world really works, that they're the sort of people that can access the kingdom. No. No do 't come to God this doesn't mean yeah, you're, you're being foolish or you're being immature it certainly doesn't mean you have to be innocent and pure right uh, being a parent I know for a fact uh, that innocence and purity in a child lasts about five minutes and after that they seem to work out pretty well how to sin and how to you know how to follow uh, their father I suppose in that um, none of the you know None of these things are what it means to be a child when it comes to the kingdom of God. Uh, a bit of Greek can help us here. The word child there in the original Greek is, is Padeon, uh, which is where we get our understanding, you know, the word pediatric or pediatrician, you know, relating to children. And it often refers to the, the smaller end of the scale. So we're talking infants and babies and toddlers, that sort of age group. And, and that's sort of emphasized here because it says in verse 13, they were bringing The children; they weren't just coming on their own. You know, they were they were being brought. They probably couldn't walk because they're so young and small, and they were bringing them to Jesus. And and likewise, in verse sixteen, Jesus took them in his arms. Generally speaking, you do that when it's a a, a small child, isn't it, a toddler, or or so forth? And there he is, anyway, uh, embracing these children. They, They they were small, they were powerless, they were helpless, and yet there they are, effectively approaching the kingdom of God, and they're the ones who are blessed. Uh, they're the ones who are relying on, on Jesus' love, his tender care, and they're the ones who got those things. Um, it says, it's actually interesting, in verse 13 it says, you know, the, the, presumably the parents were bringing their children to him, he might touch them, that's all they wanted. But look at what the kids actually got in verse uh, 16, he took them in his arms, he blessed them and he laid his hands on them, You know, embraced them, so much more than they bargained for. And this is how it is, says Jesus, in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, those who look like they're outsiders can come home. Those who are weak can find strength. Those who are powerless and vulnerable can get the protection and the love and the care that they need. That's that's the heart of Jesus for those who want to come into the kingdom. So the first approach to the kingdom of God is is, is come with nothing. Uh, But the second approach then is do it yourself uh do it yourself we we purposely didn't cover verses 17 through 22 here um because actually uh we we covered that earlier on jamie bambrick came and, and was teaching on this uh, back in august so you, you can go back and listen to that if you want he took those verses and um, but what we're doing today is uh, is concentrating on the the, re- the response of the disciples Uh, But just so you know, those verses that we're we're missing out today uh, talk of of, of, uh, this rich young ruler. Uh, We might say today he was kind of like a trust fund kid, you know, somebody who had money, who had every opportunity that he wanted, um, you know, set up for life. And unusually for for a young person with money, he was also morally upright. Um, And, you know, he checks in with Jesus uh, just to see if he is spiritually okay. Am I good? Am I okay? You know, I, I, all these other areas of my life, are, I'm rocking. But what about the spiritual bits? You know, uh, what must I do to, 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 to have eternal life? And so Jesus, uh says, looked at him and loved him, uh, but told this, this, this rich young guy, okay, okay, okay. If you really want to follow me, if you really want to come into the kingdom of God, sell everything you've got, give all that to the poor, and then, and then we'll talk and come follow me. And it says that the young man went away disheartened because he had great wealth. And so that's the context then, and then we're going to look at the response then to, to that from the disciples, and that's where we take it up in verse 23 and following. And it seems to be that after this engagement, after Jesus sent this young man away, I have to go and think about it, uh, you know, the jaws were on the floor. Uh, Mouths were open, aghast at what had just happened. Uh, Jesus looked around, it says in verse 23, he sort of uh, got a pulse check, you know, he realized the the situation, what was going on in their minds, Uh, and he said to them, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. It says that the disciples were amazed at his words, absolutely astounded. And then he goes on again to, to repeat it, children, interesting. Children, he says, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. And then, as if to reinforce that a third time, he then comes up with this uh, sort of farcical image, this, 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 this mind picture. He says, Look, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. All right? It's ridiculous. Uh, a camel is not something we would see ordinarily in our own uh, experience, wandering around the streets of Belfast. If you've ever seen one in real life, perhaps you've even travelled on one. If you've been on holiday, um, they're, they're huge beasts, uh, much much higher than me, and um, you know, huge, uh, wide, sort of fat little skinny legs, big big clumpers, you know, uh, and, and their job, generally speaking, particularly in that context, would be to haul stuff around you know, carry um, equipment or um, resources, what, what have you. And Jesus is saying it's easier for this big, hairy, stinky beast to get through the eye of a needle which would be used to thread, little tiny thread to, to make clothes and, and fabric and all the rest of it. It's easier for that huge camel to get through this little hole than it is for a rich person to get into the kingdom of God. Okay, think of a Ford Transit. That would be the, the equivalent in our society. It's easier for a Ford Transit to get through the eye of a needle than it is for a, ca- for a rich person to get into the kingdom of God. The disciples were utterly speechless. You see, for the disciples, and, and perhaps for us today, um, the rich man would be considered by many to be blessed, right? He, he, he's got money. He's got God's favor on him. He, he's done really well in terms of his religious uh, upbringing. Uh, he, he, it's obvious that he's blessed by God. He's favored by God. He must have done something good. He's pleasing to God. Everybody can see the blessing of God on his life. Surely someone like that uh, can just wander into the kingdom of God. They've kind of earned it. But Jesus, uncompromising here, said, no, people like him are far away from the kingdom of God. It's incredibly difficult. Very difficult indeed for someone like that to come into the kingdom of God. So then imagine the disciples' reaction in verse 21. They were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? If it's not this guy, then what hope have the rest of us got? And so Jesus uh, corrects carefully, corrects their misunderstanding, and, and maybe ours too. Um, quite, quite often... You know, even within the church, certainly in our neighborhood or in, you know, work or whatever, um, we, we, we look at outside factors, don't we? And, and we judge primarily based on how well someone's doing, uh, based on uh, what they look like. You know, what car they drive, how much money they appear to have, what sort of house they live in, what's their BT number, um, things like that. Um, even what their family are doing and how successful their family are. And, and we make judgments and we say, well, look, this family or these people must be close to God because, uh, you know, look, look at all the good stuff that's going on for them. and just a few tweaks that are required in their lives and, and surely they'll just come on into the kingdom of God. They're not far away at all. But Jesus here would say to that attitude, no, that's wrong, totally wrong. For those who are rich and prosperous and successful, it's harder for them to get in the kingdom of God. They're they're further away. Why is that? Because because people like that will cling on to their stuff, onto their their, their resources and their prosperity and their success. They they find security in that. They think they're set up for life in that. They, They don't realize that they're needy. They don't think they're needy. And so therefore, they're unlikely to want to come into the kingdom of God. They will look at the kingdom of God and think, well, I've got to give up all this stuff in order to get in. Why would anyone do that in their right mind? No, thank you. They're unwilling to lose it all for the sake of the kingdom. As my experience. I don't know if it chimes with yours at all, but I, I found over the years that some of the hardest people to reach with the gospel are those who live in affluent, middle class, and largely Protestant neighborhoods. That's my experience I find them harder and most unwilling to talk about spirituality. Anything outside of that, anyone else from outside of those realms, much easier. That's my experience. So how do we conclude from this early set of thoughts then? Which which uh, do you align with then more clearly, would you say, more closely? Um, are you trying to come to the kingdom of God knowing you've got nothing, or are you trying to do it yourself to get into the kingdom of God. Which one do you align with most, most closely? Not, not what you think is the right answer, but honestly. Which one do you align with most clearly? I, 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 do you come to Jesus with a sense of helplessness and need and, 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 and emptiness? Um, with empty hands saying, I'm here. I have nothing, but please accept me. Or do you find yourself more like the rich young ruler in this scenario? You come to Jesus, but your hands are full of all your achievements. You know, your great educational records, or your, your, your money, or uh, your successful family, or wherever it happens to be. Maybe your, uh, you know, achievements in sport, or whatever. And you say to Jesus, here, here I am. Look at what's in my hands, now accept me two approaches to the kingdom of God. Um, but as ever, Jesus brings us to a, a point of, of, of decision um, because there's two approaches, but only one way to get in. There's only one point of access. This brings us to our second point then. Uh, for, the, for Jesus, the rich, the moral, the powerful, uh, they're out, generally speaking. But the helpless, the powerless, the childlike person is in, according to Jesus. But if that's the case, then how specifically do you and I get in? How do we get in to that point of access to the kingdom of God? What Jesus says in verse 27, uh, with man, it is impossible. Right? With humankind, it is impossible. On your own, it's impossible, but not God. All things are possible with God. Jesus is saying you can't get you in to the kingdom of God. Only God can get you into the kingdom of God. That's why the rich find it so difficult because they think they can do it themselves. Um, Whereas those who are childlike have no such problems. Um, They can't do it themselves. They realize they're powerless. They have nothing in their hands to bring. They're helpless. They've perhaps been people... Uh, who have looked within and found nothing going on for them. There's no sense of moral excellence in those who come with a childlike attitude. No, no perfect record. No, no vast achievements to point to. Only perhaps just a sense that we've messed up, a, a realization that, that we've made mistakes and, and we've committed hurt and an aching need for Jesus to do something. But Jesus says... someone who comes like that if that's going on in your heart right now Jesus says yes that's it these are the types of people that come into my kingdom they're the ones who can access the kingdom of God when you realize you've got nothing when you rely on Jesus opening his arms to you and embracing you and blessing you then you shall receive the kingdom to such as these says Jesus the kingdom of God is open And we've seen Jesus' heart already. He he, he delights to welcome in such people. Right? He 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 delights to to accept them. We can understand that as faith. That's what faith is. Faith is the empty hands coming to Jesus and saying, I have nothing, you have everything, you are everything I need, accept me. Bless me. That's faith. And that's how you enter the kingdom of God. It's all of God, of course. Uh, It says here, all things are possible with God. And that really gets to the the center of the Christian gospel. Um, The apostle Paul writes in in his letter to the church in, in Rome, he says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's saying, Jesus has already done the work necessary for you to come into the kingdom of God. You just need to come and receive it with the empty hands of faith. You come with nothing, and he will give you everything. And that's the good news of the gospel, right? On on the cross, uh, Jesus paid for your sins. He removed your guilt. He won your freedom. And and through his resurrection and coming to you in his Holy Spirit, he is is ready to embrace you. He's ready to welcome you into the kingdom. He's ready to bless you. You you come thinking that you could get uh, a touch from Jesus, but you leave with far more than you would ever thought possible. That's what you get when you come to Jesus. The gospel shows us that God looks at you when you do that, when you come to him with those those empty hands and he says to you, "Ah, my child, my child, come quick. Bring bring the finest clothes for him or her. Put a a ring on their finger. Put a a crown on your head. Kill the fattened calf. Come on, let's celebrate. Let's banquet because this son or, or this daughter of mine has come home. They, they were dead, and now they're alive. They were lost, and now they were found. That's how God looks at you when you come to him with the empty hands of faith. Come on, let's open our eyes to this. Let's see, let's see this. This is Jesus, his words teaching us this morning. And see, when you get that, when you, when you get it, then it frees you. It clears the way to entering the kingdom and and enjoying God and walking with him. When you understand what Jesus is saying here, there's no more pretending that is required from you. No more masks. Not these ones here, but no more uh, invisible masks. No more comparing with one another. No more hankering after the latest rubbish that the world will try and sell you to make you feel better about yourself. All you need is to bring nothing. Because Jesus has done it all and he is willing to give it all to you. So we've seen two approaches to the kingdom. You either come with nothing or you you do it yourself. But we've seen that one point of access. So thirdly and finally then, how how do we get there? What do you do if you've got stuff? Um, what do you do if you're, you're in some ways, rich? Um, for our purposes, richness doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a certain bank balance. Um, riches are, I suppose, anything that you will cling on to and, and look at and say, look, Jesus, you've got to bless me because of this, this thing here. How do we, how do we go from clinging on to stuff and, and resources and whatever it is? And becoming like a child, like Jesus says, how do, how do, we, how do we shed all that? How do, we, how do we go from having possessions to being helpless, from thinking we're powerful to knowing that we're actually powerless? How does that work? Well, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, earlier in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 8, we saw Jesus um, uh, teaching about what it means to be a disciple, At uh, this sort of turning point, I suppose, in the Gospel of Mark. Um, and he said to his disciples after he just predicted that he's going to die on a cross and and, and rise again, Jesus said, look, if you want to come after me, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. you You have to give up your rights to your own little kingdom and hand me the keys and follow me. All right, Lay it all down. Let go and follow me. And Peter gets this. He hinted at it anyway, surely, in, in verse 28. Peter began to say to him, look, we, we, see, we, we, we've left everything to follow you. Do you remember way back at the beginning when Jesus originally calls his, his first followers, um, Peter and, and his brother and James and John as well, they, they were busy in the, in the sea, in Lake Galilee, uh, fishing. They had nets. And it literally said they left their nets and followed Jesus. And the, Mark intends us to understand that wasn't just a case of, oh, we'll drop this for now and maybe in half an hour we'll come back and finish off. Mark intends us to understand that they left their nets full stop. Life changed, they, they, they shifted. They, 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 they knew that in order to follow Jesus, I have to leave this way of life behind me. Um, my, my chance at, at, uh, at progressing in the world and becoming prosperous, you know, even getting some staff on board to come and do all that for me, and I'll just rake in the money. That's why he says to Jesus, see, we've left everything to follow you, our, our career, our livelihood, our chance of success, and Peter comes across a little bit desperate, and maybe uh, sort of his head is is, is, is is whirling at the moment because of this engagement with the, the rich young ruler and, and is surprised at what Jesus said, and so he wants affirmation. He says to Jesus, look, We've left everything to follow you. Is that, are, we, are we doing it right? Uh, are we following you appropriately, Jesus? Is this, is this ticking the right box, so to speak? And Jesus affirms in verses 29 through to the end. He says, yes, yes, you're doing it. But let me encourage you, he says, if you've given up your house, or your, or your, or your family, your mother, or your father, or your, 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 your children, Or if you've given up land, money for my sake and for the gospel, then there will be a reward for you. There will be blessing for you. If you transfer your allegiances to the kingdom of God, says Jesus, things will go well for you. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, famous line, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things, he says, will be added to you. If you you place all of this under Jesus, if you give your allegiance to him, then according to Jesus, these are the words of Jesus, I'm not making this up, you will be blessed, you will be rewarded. Of course, we're seeing this time and again in in our study, following Jesus comes at a cost, it always does. Um, For some of us, it will mean uh, giving up allegiance to family and transferring that allegiance to Jesus. Uh, For others, it will mean uh, changing our attitude to our career. Giving up career progression, we might say, in the eyes of the world, in order to follow Jesus. For others, it might mean uh, financial implications, prosperity itself. A few of us may even, uh, in relational terms, need to sever ties with family or whoever it is, all together, in order that we can follow after Jesus. That's the cost of following Jesus. Now look, those those things, none of these things are bad. Right? We've been seeing this, we saw this last week in our understanding of sex and, and sexuality. It's not bad in and of itself. None of these things are bad. Family is not bad. You know, they're good. It's good to have possessions, it's good to have resources, right? It's good to have land and, and all that. That's wonderful. A gift of God. But that's it, it's a gift. And it's a gift to build his kingdom. And so today, for us, we, we, we have these wonderful things, family and possession, career, leisure, but they can be a trap as well. Because we can take these gifts and we can use them to build our own kingdom rather than the kingdom of God. And Jesus here and elsewhere says, you've got to drop that. You've got to let those things go, otherwise you'll never get into my kingdom. Okay, if you're using these gifts to develop your own kingdom, then that will hold you back from the kingdom. That will restrict your access. You'll never enter. Here's a little test. Let's just take five and do a quick test at the moment. Don't worry. You don't need to answer by writing down uh, and, and giving your answers to me or saying them out loud. But let's just do this now. Uh, name three things. If you're a believer in Jesus, right? If you think you, you count yourself as a disciple, if you are a believer in Jesus, name three things. Three things that you have sacrificed so that you can follow Jesus. Three things that you sacrificed, that you said no to, that you've denied yourself so you can follow Jesus. Have you got them? Right. If three is difficult, think of two. It might be easy things, it might be hard things, really hard things. You've given up. You know, so that you can come under the lordship of Christ and enter into his kingdom and and love him and enjoy him. What have you you sacrificed? Because the sacrifice is the badge of a disciple. Um, If you're you're sitting there struggling, thinking, goodness me, I actually cannot think of anything substantial that I've said no to, that I've given up in order to follow Jesus, then friends, maybe you need to rethink what it means to follow jesus go back to the scripture and and, and re uh, examine all of that but if you have and you know if maybe on the other side of it maybe if you can easily think of three five or ten things that you've given up in order to follow jesus you've denied yourself or or, or you know opportunities whatever it happens to be then, then be encouraged be strengthened by the truth of god's word that is a sign that you are following genuinely, truly after Jesus. If it's hurt you somehow in the pocket or in your heart or something like that to follow Jesus, then that goes to show you're going in the right direction. Be encouraged. But does being a Christian mean just simply giving stuff up and being miserable for the rest of our lives? Are we supposed to live our lives poor and alone and uh, a failure in the world's eyes, even if somewhere along the line God looks down on us with favor? Is that how we're supposed to live now? Of course not. Absolutely not. Because there's the other side. Yes, there's the denial, the giving up, the leaving behind, but Jesus shows us that's only half of the equation, right? If if, if the... uh, yeah, the bridegroom is standing at the front of the church and his bride is coming towards him and he's just thinking of all the stuff he's going to have to give up now he's getting married. You know, I can't go out with the boys, can't play Xbox until three in the morning. All right, I can't walk around in my underpants, you know, uh, and drink beer at three o'clock in the afternoon. Can't do any of those things. Now I'm going to get, if that's all it is, if you're only thinking of what you're going to lose, then surely you're missing the, the joy and the benefit and the wonder that's going to, that's going to come to you. And Jesus says here in verse 30, if you've given up those things for me and for the gospel, you will receive, this blows my mind, a hundredfold, hundred times, magnified up, in this time. Actually, the words are even stronger. Now, in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. This is not referring to heaven a future realm, a a, a future age. This is referring to now. Jesus is saying, if you are sacrificially following me, there will be exponential blessing in your life. There will be fruit. There will be joy. There will be levels of intimacy that you never thought possible. There will be a sense of togetherness. As you get to behold the things of God and see his kingdom come, where does this happen, you might ask? In what realm are we talking? We're talking about the church. We're talking about the community of faith. How do do we know that? How do we get to that place? Well, um, when we fast forward a few few books and we see the early church. Jesus has ascended to uh, the right hand of the Father. He sent his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has filled the church uh, to go and minister and and so forth, creating this new community around Jesus, filled with the Spirit, living the kingdom life together. And it depicts, in a few occasions, this, this, this beautiful glimpse, this, this image of these, uh, this wonderful community sharing all things together, serving one another, opening homes so that we can love and care for one another, breaking bread together. It says there was not a needy person among them. We've got a few verses here um, from Acts chapter 4 where we get one of these glimpses of this amazing uh, community that he's talking about here it is now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own but they had everything in common and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the lord jesus and great grace was upon them all there was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of what lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to everyone as anyone had need. Filled with the Spirit, loving Jesus, signs of of power and might, the the, the kingdom going out and yet not a needy person among them, lands and houses, mothers and brothers and sisters, hundredfold, feasting, family, family, joy, power in a community like this. Yes, there's persecutions, but they get to withstand that together, this visible demonstration of the kingdom, shining a light effectively to to those outside. Amazing. I just want to say, sorry, if this is not your experience of church in the past, if it doesn't come anywhere close to this, then I'm, I'm sad, I grieve with you. Um, maybe you have never found church to be anything like this. This is a million miles away, hundredfold blessing. But uh, this is what we're trying to build here by the grace of God at Foundation Church. Um, that's what we're aiming towards. That's what we are seeing already taking part. And, and, and of course, we would love you to be a part of that if you're not already uh, connected with us um, through you know, membership. Uh, we'd love you to join with us on mission, um, but yet we're, we're, we're a work in progress here um, together at Foundation Church. But as Jesus sort of concludes here, what we'll see in this life, even with this hundredfold blessing and this loving and sharing and feasting together as family, he says that's the tip of the iceberg. That is just a foretaste of what it will be like in the future. He says uh, there, you know, you're going to receive a hundredfold now in this time and in the age to come, eternal life fullness of joy depth of life yet to be experienced this is what awaits you uh, for those who come to jesus with nothing in their hands and says i have nothing accept me and you go away full rich with nothing but eternal life to look forward to let's pray